Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. And Knight is considered the general. That was his nickname. Krzyzewski's the general. Generals yeah. are not fly off the handle emotional uh, lunatics. Pete Thamel. I honestly think it's a litmus test of the Duke brand to some extent, right? And SI's Pat Forty. She's got a strong ass hive, man. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. Uh, I would say the greatest college basketball coach any of us will ever cover has retired or is going to retire. I'm sorry. Announced his retirement. We get one more year, Coach K. It's a lot of snark that he just wants a a, a farewell tour and lots of gifts. Uh, I applaud that kind of grift. <laughs> but actually, I'm happy. It makes a very interesting college basketball season. It coach does. K's final year. He's got a decent team. What will he do? Hey, we need all we can get. So, uh, Coach Mike Shashevsky, and uh, one of the first things you learn is how to spell as a sports writer is spell that name and then say it. Can't just write Coach K in all your articles. I knew I had made it when I could hammer out Shashevsky without even thinking. K R Z Y Z E W S K I. Yep, there it is. I find it easier than Wojciechowski, by the way. Yeah, I can, I can rattle off Shashevsky no problem. I always pause when I write Wojciechowski and like go. Fortunately, Wojciechowski is much less relevant. So yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It, it he basically only less. comes up like he did in my column yesterday when you talk about failed Duke assistants. That's uh, right. That's yeah. right. If you you're not a college sports writer unless you can write Mike Shashevsky and t- enough times that your that your uh, spell check actually starts in learning the proper spelling. Uh, that also is a big ding. No, Coach K uh, has has uh, retired. One thousand one hundred and seventy victories and counting. Forty six years, forty one of them at Duke. Five national titles, uh, twelve Final Fours. Uh, absolutely absurd record of success. I think it's twenty eight lottery picks. Just a I don't know. Just a, a, a amazing uh, standard that he has held. He held his uh, press conference. On Thursday, just before we tape this, a couple things happened. One, nobody asked him how he still has dark black, jet black hair <laughs> at age 74. Still the mist- the greatest achievement of Coach K or mystery. Not, not right. saying there's a recruiting violation, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> how many 74-year-olds have black hair like a 10-year-old? 
and insist they don't diet. Yes. How does he do it? Pat and I would like to know. I can tell you that. Oh, you're kidding me? (laughs) How'd you do this? I had more gray Uh, hair in my early 20s than he has in his (laughs) mid-70s. Amazing. At this point, fellas, you can't be dyeing your hair. It'd be like LeBron fixing his hair, you know? (laughs) You just got to go with it. You got to go with it. No, eventually, if you keep doing it, it becomes a thing. Like like Mike Krzyzewski, if he is dyeing it, then we're just making fun of him. Right. Like so eventually, like if you put the wig on or you have the hair plugs or you dye your hair, it doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, so you, then right. You, but then what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to just rip the rip the toupee off and be like, yeah, I was lying all along. Just <laughs> Michael Jordan taught us just shave the head. Go with it. If you're cool exactly. enough like Pat and I. It's fine. Or Michael That's right. Jordan. That's right. You, you just, me you know. and MJ. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, no. Kay, still still not addressed, Pat. How's he do it? How's he do it? I, you know, I don't know. I've actually decided that I, my, I have a brother-in-law who's my litmus test for this because he's uh, like a year older than I'm. I think he's 57 and he has jet black hair and he is way too cheap to dye his hair. So I know he's <laughs> not. And if he can have jet black hair at age 57, I want to see if he can still be there at, to, at 70. And if he can, then maybe Coach K is not the hair fraud that some of us suspect him to be. Hmm. All We're right, really you know. just diving into the issues today, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Yeah. We're cutting right to the gut of it. I mean, Spelling right and to, hair. I will owe him an apology for even wondering. <laughs> you remember the great, uh, we're gonna, we'll just go right off the rails, right? Remember the, you remember this great story uh, Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star wrote about Gene Cady and his hair? Oh, yeah, yeah. And Cady said he was spending $300 <laughs> A week. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, 600. Yeah. 600. Here 600. it is. Katie knew his hair needed work. What, you think a man can just roll out of bed and look like that? <laughs> the, co- the comb over. The, so Yes, the completely dyed comb over. <laughs> he brought in his personal hairdresser twice a week during a season to tidy it up. She came with extensions. She came with hair dye. She came with cream. She left each time with $300. You read that right. Gene Katie paid six hundred a week to have his hair look like that. <laughs> Man, you got to give it the, to her. Some of the best Gene Katie stories were when he went to St. John's with Lavin, and he lived oh, yeah. with Mark Frado, the SID, um, who's <laughs> often an NCAA press conference moderator. Now, Frado told story after story. We would be doubled over at the bar, <laughs> just like cackling like you want a sitcom you have gene katie in his mid-70s move to manhattan <laughs> and live with you and live I mean, with oh my god city slicker the city slicker <laughs> uh yeah it was ugly katie says everyone was always asking what is it why are you doing it i did it because i was on tv i did it because i was going bald i thought i looked gorgeous with the comb over of course <laughs> it was very ugly <laughs> <laughs> Literally one of the greatest stories I've ever read. You can look it oh, up yeah. on online. Greg Doyle, Gene Cady, comb over. Like Greg Doyle, who's just a total rabble rouser and a great writer, just yeah. literally decided one day to call Gene Cady up and go, what the hell were you doing with your hair all those years? <laughs> it's phenomenal. So, I mean, Katie went along with it. Yeah, that's, see, that's what you need, obviously. You, yeah. you need a willing accomplice to make fun like, of himself. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, all right. So we're way off there. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Sully, 
Sully, although Sully wants me to discuss this, this, this theme song they have down at Duke, uh, where they play uh, every time we touch. The song yeah. every clip, time Sully. we touch. Play us a clip. Cascada. I don't know. And they do it at Cameron. It's like they're. Uh, you know, it's like it's like when the Red Sox started playing Sweet Caroline. That's when I stopped becoming a Red Sox fan. It's just annoying. And it's like they got to have this little thing. I don't know. Kay did that. But anyway, the the, the yeah. presser. I just I Googled know. every time we touch and I'm worried like the the the, the, the overlords are going to come fire me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful with the Google there. Yeah. But. No, it, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, they play it sometime during the second half. I don't know whether it's like the under eight timeout, I think, maybe, or something at Cameron. And it is just a mountain of cheese whiz. I mean, it is it is a cheesy song, and it is all of these cheesy Duke kids and then the Duke faculty. And I, remember, I distinctly remember being there for one game against like Carolina or Virginia or something, and the school president is dancing like the biggest nerd in America, you know, to the song. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is this is so Duke for for better and for worse. And that's part of, you know, the whole Krzyzewski thing, the culture that they built is awesome and it's cheesy, but but it is unique. And how many places tried to copy the whole Duke culture and home court advantage and everything else? And uh, there's really, there's still only one Cameron Indoor, and there's only been one Mike Krzyzewski. There's only one Cameron Crazies. Yeah. There's only one Krzyzewskiville. Yep. There's only one guy with five titles other than Wooden, which is a whole right. different era. We can get to all that. Yeah. I mean, we're making fun of him. And uh, you know what? This is why I'm going to miss it so much is he's a guy everybody knows. Everyone has an opinion on. You could hate Duke to, to death. Fine. No problem. You could love him. You could be whatever it was. Duke mattered. This guy mattered when he came to your town. I don't care if it's uh, some little spot in 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 in, in Tobacco Road or or it's Madison Square Garden. There was a buzz. Duke is in the house to be able to do that for forty something years, almost uh, at least make it that way for thirty plus is absolutely incredible. And that's really what I'm going to miss about him. He's just a incredible figure, uh, incredibly smart guy, great coach great leader and all that. And even his, the things that rubbed you the wrong way were like great things to, you know, it's always, it's not like a really bad thing that rubs you the wrong way. It's like your theme, your little cheesy song. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we've all gotten to know Kay in some level, right? I don't think anyone's ever got too close to Kay, maybe John Feinstein, but we've all had in interactions with him. I've enjoyed covering him, him as a reporter in part because like there's a challenge, like Kay wants to challenge you, you know, a lot of reporters, you, you you know, you go talk to Jay Wright. Jay Wright's not going to challenge you, right? But Kay is from that guard. Bayheim's a little bit like this. Roy was like a little too cheesy to be like this. But like Kay, like Kay was, Kay would read. He would know what was written. He was always very like well aware. And I always enjoyed like so at press conferences, he'd always like send zingers back. I remember a, a funny Kay story. 
at an NCAA tournament once. Uh, I forget which Duke team it was, but their defense was pretty lousy, and he always prided himself on defense. And I asked a question in the press conference, and I said uh, the def- their defense had been pedestrian. I was trying to be kind, like their defense was bad. And he was like, pedestrian? Like, so they crossed the street? Like He was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and so we went back, and I was like, mediocre. Mil-, you know, like back and forth, stuff, stuff like that. So like that to me is like, K, you know, it's just sort of like being K, I guess, in uh, in some ways. I covered him on a couple of USA basketball things, uh, the world championships in Turkey and. Uh, oh, the Olympics in uh, Beijing, I guess, and appreciated him in those settings, uh, maybe like a little bit like more because especially that time in Turkey, like I was pretty much the only reporter there. She so go to practice here. She like. Bayheim was on the staff. He used to sit around and a lot of the, you know, the Duke assistants, Collins and Wojo at the time were there. And so like you did get like a little peek into him, how he operated, how he worked. And you, you certainly have to have an appreciation. But, I, you know, like Kay was good, especially in later years, like Tom Konchalski passed uh, the, the legendary recruiting uh, guy, you know, I texted Kay. He got back within, th- you know, within 10 minutes and no small talk, no anything. He just wanted to talk about Tom and he was great. He was eloquent. There was like that pinch of like drama. Like, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, he was, he was so effusive in his, in his praise for Tom Kinshalski, the, the, the late scout, who was obviously a wonderful, uh, a wonderful guy, but yeah, he's always to, to me been a, a really interesting, intriguing guy to cover and to, to, to kind of slowly get to know. Kay isn't, you know, the joke about Tom Izzo is you get an elevator with him. He'll tell you his life story and who paid what for what player by the time you get to the fifth floor. And Kay just w- was not that way. There was a little bit of a guard, a little bit of edge. And I, I appreciated kind of having to put in the work there. Yeah, I mean, he, he to me, I, I said he's the smartest of coaches. Like, the only guys from college coaching that I would even really kind of put in his area, just in terms of, of you're, you know you're talking to a super sharp guy, would be were Knight, Brad Stevens, and Patino. Uh, and all three of them didn't maybe have as much as Shish- well. Shashevsky, first of all, he won more than they did. He stayed in one place more than they did. He survived longer. But he, yeah, he just he had an ability or has still an ability after a game to articulate, to analyze, to empathize, to kind of I think get everything. You know, of when it was a great game, he said it and he appreciated the fact that he was involved in a great game. Oftentimes in defeat, now he could be prickly. Going to your to your point, Pete. You know he would challenge. He would go back at you, which was fine. I I, I never. Now he he bullied the student media uh, once or twice, which I thought was was bullcrap. But on the whole, I thought I think he had respect, but a little bit of moxie for the media. Of okay, you know, you're going to ask me about this game. Well, you better know what you're talking about because I definitely know what I'm talking about. So let's talk about it. So I, I loved his post-game press conferences, and there have been times at Duke especially where things are going to overlap with him, whether it's the player locker room, whether it's the opposing coach. Krzyzewski always won for me, like if you're deciding where you're going to go or who you're going to listen to because he was the best interview. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, invaluable, I thought, to our business. And uh, yeah, to, to Dan's point, I mean, he was the guy when he showed up in a town at a gym I mean, there was response, big response. Some loved him, some hated him, whatever. I'll, I still very clearly remember in 1992 in Philadelphia, the open prep, before they played Kentucky, right? They played Sweet 16 against Seton Hall. 
Bobby Hurley against Danny Hurley, then two days later against Kentucky. But they had the open practice the day before the Sweet 16 game. I had never seen an environment like that in an NCAA tournament. I'm not, still not sure I have. Flashbulb screams, people going crazy when Duke took the floor. And that team with Leitner and Hurley and Hill was as big a rock star group as you're going to see in college basketball. He was involved in a number, I looked these up, uh, a number of the highest rated TV games of all time. As recently as the season that he had Zion. Now, a lot of this is because Zion, but he put together the Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, that Duke team. They averaged 1 million more people watching Duke games that year on ESPN than the average of all the other college basketball games. Wow. Wow. 1 million people. Yeah. Yeah. They were throwing, yeah, from like 2.2 million to 1.2 million, but huge, huge, huge bounce. So, yes, Zion is part of that. But he, he got Zion, right? He won the recruiting battle. He got all these kids. Uh, and then he'd let them shine. I loved a couple things about Coach K. He was very, imp- he, he he had a great respect for the game. I thought he made a point in the years I covered him, which was, you know, he had already kind of established himself as this massive figure. Every game I ever covered, he would take time before or after a game to talk about the other team's players and say something really nice about those players that that he's a really good player. He's a, I I love the way this kid. And I always thought that must mean so much to those kids and those, and their parents to have Mike Krzyzewski say, you know, uh, Jason was a really good player. That that kid's a really good shooter. And, and he, I, I felt like he was purposely doing that. He always had time to talk about other people. My thing with, with Krzyzewski is, Knight was his coach, and Knight is considered the general. That was his nickname. Shashevsky's the general. Generals yeah. are not fly-off-the-handle emotional uh, lunatics. They <laughs> right. are calculating, disciplined. They are they plot everything out. They they try to dominate every situation they're in. Every interaction, I'm going to get the better of, or I'm going to get have this interaction go the way I want the interaction to go. And so if he's trying to charm you, he could charm you, he could do it. I always felt like that's the general. He, he actually went to West Point. Knight just coached there. Knight doesn't, <laughs> like, there's nothing West Point about Knight other than he coached there. A lot of guys have coached there. Uh, he was a hard-nosed dude, and Bob Knight would challenge you in a super smart in a different way. But Mike was the one who changed with the game over all these years. I thought I loved his, his, his press conference uh, today. He made a point to say, no, I'm not leaving – because the game's changing or I'm going to be this old man shaking my fist at clouds or name, image, and likeness. None of those things impacted, even though there was a report out there that it had. I, it's always changed. I've, you know, this has been coaching since 1975 when still a lot of the country was pseudo, uh, I mean, integration of teams was still going on. Like nobody would have just a all African-American team. He's changed through everything. Uh, he, you know, there was a time when getting a guy for four years and never playing him until he was a junior and being the father figure was how you won. And 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 now it's, you know, get Zion in here for 18 games. Let's see what we can do. He adapted all along. That to me is the general, not I can't win anymore. The world's changed around me. So I, I think he's uh, as much as I have. Uh, I laugh about him sometimes. I've written stuff to he did not find. <laughs> all, all that exciting i think we all have i think yeah. we, we, we've all i'm hardly the mike krzyzewski yeah. duke 
you know, uh, chronicler of the, the, the blue, the blue, uh, I think SI once called him the blue angel, not the blue devil, the blue mm-hmm. angel. Right. And as for yelling at Duke students and, and their reporters, those Duke kids have never been challenged about anything bad in their entire life. <laughs> the fact they finally got yelled at and their daddy couldn't call up and solve the problem. Good. Yell at more Duke students. <laughs> <laughs> Screw those guys. Oh no, here Coach K yelled at me. Classism, God. here we go. Here Thank we go. Thank God. Yell at him, Kay. Polish immigrant son of Polish immigrants from Chicago. He ain't gonna take a lot of you. Oh, I love these Duke kids. Yeah, whatever. They wouldn't have loved you. Two little K details that uh to double down on what Dan said it, about him always highlighting players from the other team. One is uh an assistant coach at BC told me once that K addresses in the handshake line every assistant coach on every staff by name. So he makes mm-hmm. it a point to learn the names and go through when he goes through the line and and say, hey, great job. You, you know, like in, in that's just like that's a little bit of the core of, of who Kay is. Another thing I always found interesting was I'm sure, Pat, you went on his radio show at some point, right, to talk about something yeah. Coach K and Beyond yeah. or whatever it was on series. Yeah. He always would send a handwritten thank you note. When, yeah. when, when going on. Yeah. Which is just like one of those things that, uh, that doesn't necessarily, that's a, a throwback K-ism that I, that I always just found to be, uh, quintessentially him. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, he's, he's good at human touch, you know, those kind of things, which I'm sure has helped him immensely in recruiting, uh, with players and with parents. So, you know, that, that's part of the, the K package. And, uh, going briefly to like post game and what you said, Dan, about uh, the players. I mean, I, I will never forget being there in Philly for the great 104-103 Duke-Kentucky game. And Krzyzewski's absolute first instincts after, oh, my God, we won, were all like, hey, I want to tell these Kentucky players and these I, I want to tell Kentucky how great they were. You know, and he went to Sean Woods on the floor. And then the most amazing thing he goes to Kaywood Ledford, the legendary radio guy for Kentucky, who is signing off of his last ever broadcast. Is like, Kaywood, can I say something? And Kay was like, well, yeah. And they hand him the, the headphones and he gets on there and he says, I just want to tell Kentucky fans how great their team was. You know, and it's like, wow. You know, in that moment, I'm not sure a lot of coaches or a lot of anybody would, would be thinking about the other team. You'd be like, wow, we just won the greatest game ever. But he was so classy in victory, and he often is, and he's often classy in defeat too. Not all the times, no. but <laughs> ask Dylan Brooks. Enough. Ask Dylan Brooks, yeah, uh, and asks a few you know, reporters and things like that that he's dressed down for daring to question him on things. But uh, he just, you know, just a really, really interesting guy the way he has operated. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I, you know, he cannot, un- cannot overstate. Knowing every guy, you've seen college basketball benches. There's more oh, guys yeah. in suits yeah. than there are in uniform. And so for, for Mike Shashevsky to know the grad assistant's name <laughs> before games, I remember the late great Skip Prosser telling me the story about the also late great John Chaney. And Skip was at Xavier and Chaney was at Temple. And Prosser said it was four years of meetings before he stopped calling him that guy and said, Skip, <laughs> Skip's got a point. It was like his fifth season. And he goes, I've made it. <laughs> John Chaney knows my name. We've only, <laughs> only been in the league. So, you know, nothing against John Chaney for that. Um, right. That's just John Chaney. But yeah, to, to sit there. So he's literally 40 something years, 40 years into this career. 
is spending some amount of time looking and studying what is the what's the fifth guy on the bench's name. Yeah. So in a post, you know, just a, he's a that's to me that's West Point. Yes, that's right. like you will do every you will do all of your duties and you'll get everything done. And that that's why I think he was he's he's the general. Um, all right. Let's talk about the the the, the season and then where this is going. They're going to give the job to John Shire, who uh, was a, a star player on their 2010 national championship team. Which I always felt as a team that gets zero credit because all anyone remembers is Gordon Hayward almost hit. <laughs> <laughs> the right. winning, the greatest right. shot in the history of college basketball to yep. give Butler that thing. And then how about this weird one on the exact same day, 11 years after that game, both Brad Stevens and Mike Shesky decide to just randomly call it quits as a coach. Uh, Brad, I assume temporarily, yeah. um, but kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers anybody on that Duke team. Everyone, all anyone remembers is Gordon Hayward. I the remember the Duke team, too. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. yeah that that team won the title. Yeah. I remember, okay. I remember a few Duke players because Brian Zubek missed a free throw that left it as a two point game for Gordon Hayward to shoot the shot. And then Matt Howard set a crushing screen on Kyle Singler that freed him up to shoot the shot. Like that was right in front of me. Like Kyle Singler's jaw goes sideways <laughs> like he has been hit by Mike Tyson. And Hayward shoots it, and you're like, oh my God. God, it's going in. That that's what I remember. That's basically it. And John Shire and Nolan well, Smith. That's that's about it. Well, in in the list of of uh of uh, Johnny Dawkins, Amaker, yeah. Hurley, Leitner, Battier, Brand, Zion, <laughs> I, all the greats. Kyrie uh. Irving played there. We're talking about Kyle Singler and and John Shire. <laughs> now, so yeah. John Shire is going to be the coach. They're going this interim route. He's 33 years old. He has no head coaching experience at all. Kay called him one of the best coaches in America, of course. You know, thoughts on this? Because, look, Duke has been an absolute unmovable force in college basketball for decades now. And no matter what happened, they never really wavered. Not every season was perfect, but when it, took when it was time to go one and done, he hit the pedal on that and did it better than anyone. This opens a potential gap in uh, recruiting, in competitiveness. And then at the same time, there's uh, Carolina going through the exact same thing. We don't know what 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 their future is in the next five years. Both of these, we hope, you know, uh, best of luck to Hubert Davis and John Shire, Hubert Davis at Chapel Hill and John Shire in Durham to keep it up. You're going to need it because you're, yeah. you're, you know. You've been handed the keys to the kingdom, but it's, you know, heavy, heavy uh, rest of the crown or whatever. Uh, heavy is the head, the rest of the crown. I think that's yeah. it. I don't Something know. like or that. Or the wire. If you come at the king, you best not miss. What are, what are our thoughts on this move? And what do, you, what do we think of Shire and what can do be in these next, you know, five years? I wrote about Shire uh, yesterday for, for Yahoo Sports. And I think a lot of John Shire covered him as a player, got to know him as assistant coach. I think he's a young, sharp guy. Anyone who says this is definitely going to work, though, is just completely naive because the standard K set, you're following one of the greatest to ever do it. Now, you can argue Wooden versus K, but at the end of the day, modern, our generation, uh, you know, K is the best coach for that period of time. So I honestly think it's a litmus test of the Duke brand to some extent, right? Duke was a very good program before Krzyzewski took it over. They made multiple Final Fours. They had Jim Spunarkle and Mike Jaminski and guys like that. But Kay made them Duke. It wasn't basically because they had, you know, great local players, right? Like, there's great local passion. Like, 
K was a big part of Duke being the Duke we know. He was, he is the reason Duke is the Duke we know. So the challenge for Shire is going to be to leverage the Duke we've all become accustomed to and continue to draw the same level of recruits and coach it at the same level. And that's, it's a difficult task. I mean, he's 33. I really think it's smart that Duke did it this way because it gives Shire a year to go sell himself. And it gives recruits a year to get used to the idea of K being gone and what it can look like. This is where I give Duke a lot of credit. Their facilities are unbelievable, no. right? The marketing around their program is the best in the sport. Kentucky's is very good. But like, you know, they they release all the things of like the number of dollars their graduates have made, the NBA contracts. Like Duke has done an unbelievable job maximizing its four elite decades under Krzyzewski. So and obviously it's an elite academic institution. So everything is wired up for Shire. Now he just has to go do it. And it's going to be an immense challenge. I think he will do fine. Either he or Hubert, one of those isn't going to work, right? Like these both aren't just going to like go on these marches. Uh, you know, one of them is going to be Matt Dory. And I don't know who. They're they're both very capable coaches and they both have great brands to take take care of. One last thought I had is, I mean, how far are we from Adrian Autry taking over from Jim Beheim, And how far are we from Jim Laranaga leaving? Like the whole ACC could look radically different like a year, a year from today. I really do think that generation is on the cusp. I think that we will be seeing a lot of these changes hand down. So it is interesting that the two biggest jobs in the sport did not go outside. They did not try to hire the up-and-coming mid-major guy. I could have seen Porter Moser at Duke. Right. Like, wouldn't he have been like a good Duke fit in a, in a lot of in a lot of ways? Here's a question. And I don't want to like cut into Pat's up, but who would you have hired if you were Duke if you went outside? Um, boy, I, I mean, I don't know. I think you I, <laughs> there would have been plenty of candidates. OK, sure. No question. Uh, I'd go I, Jay Wright if you could get him. Well, that's yeah. yeah. I start and, and with I Jay. Get him. I'd go with Brad Stevens if you can get him. Yeah. Brad Stevens ain't coming back to college. He's I know. Just I am. Yeah. He, Jay Wright's not leaving Villanova. I'm just yeah. saying. He said whoever. Yeah. So gettable, if somebody though. Somebody you get, a gettable guy? Yeah. Th this way. So I threw a couple names in my column yesterday, and it they, they didn't come, like, easily and organically um, with no Duke ties. I put Mick Cronin and Chris Holtman as, like, elite coaches of that level who could go. I don't think Duke would hire Scott Drew. Why not? Well, I mean, we've talked about this on the on the pod before. I mean, there's a reason why he's been at Baylor all those years, right? Um, Indiana yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, Indiana had a logical pathway to 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 look at him. I think he would have gone to Indiana, and they didn't uh, they didn't go down that path. So I think that the smoke that surrounded Scott Drew's early career has not left Scott Drew. That may be fair, it may not be fair, and I don't think winning absolves that reputation. I guess Amazing not, but how about the school that, that surrounded the end of Mike Krzyzewski? Yeah, career? that's my thing. <laughs> Amazing you know? at a I school. Mean, if Come Duke's going to say, no, we're too clean to hire Scott Drew, then what are we doing here? You know, that, that I'm just, I, I, I don't quite understand. I don't deny that that's the thought process, but I think it's also specious, you know? Well, yeah. that's, the, that's the sport. If the Zion yes. Williamson stuff, we, we talked a couple podcasts ago about his, you know, pay, alleged payments to his dad through our furniture store credit account. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley Furniture, baby. Okay, that is something Jerry Tarkanian didn't think up or he would have done it. Yeah, he's mad that he didn't think right. of it.
Like if that happens in the 90s or the 80s, you're done, right? Like it, it, John Calipari. The throw rug inducement is passed. Yeah, so, they, they, uh, they took John Calipari's first Final Four because Marcus Camby took money from an agent his last year. Everybody gets caught taking money from an agent. Now they don't even investigate it anymore, right? And that's that's fine. That you, it, that, that's the deal. But if you have a, if you apply today's scandals to the old tisk tisk, oh my god, you know. I mean, look, Will Wade's coaching. We bring it up every <laughs> podcast. Like <Yeah. laughs> the man sure. is on an FBI tape. He's coaching. <laughs> Nobody gives a crap anymore. So right. I don't know. All right. So presumably. This is not the way to do it, right? However, we've seen in football at work where the like Ryan Day takes over from Urban Meyer and boom, nothing. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley takes over at Oklahoma, boom. William Christopher Sweeney. Oh, he wasn't replacing a legend, but he, you know, he has given him the Clemson job and look what the hell happened there. You don't, you don't know. Some of these places, the institutional might is enough. Is Duke it? I don't know. Cause Duke doesn't have that recruiting. When K called or you called for K, it didn't matter where in America you were from. That family was like, yeah, come on in and visit. You're, you're getting a home. Vi- I mean, that's the easiest home visit you're ever going to get. Yeah, I'll have Mike Krzyzewski. I'll, I'm interested. If they're interested in you. And so he got so many players from like Minneapolis and L.A. and all that. Can he do that? There's no natural recruiting ground for Duke. That, you know, where... We've seen a place like Indiana never get it together, even though they have far more advantages necessarily than Duke. So um, I don't know. Going to be interesting. But sometimes this does work. It does in football sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, the, well, it's, it's such a uniquely college thing that this is the way it works, is that if you win enough, you get to decide when you leave and you get to decide who's coming after you. You know, I mean. They, they allegedly had a search at North Carolina. It wasn't a search. Roy said, go hire Hubert. So they did. And then this was even less of a search. Uh, as you said, there's they been some fo- to Tommy Amaker. They, they did talk to some other people, I guess. But this was pretty well cut set in stone, I, I believe. So you may mention the football examples that have worked fine. Basketball has been much more of a mixed bag, especially if you're trying to keep this relatively recent. You know, Kevin Ollie was was kind of that guy at, at Connecticut. He won a national title in one of the flukiest seasons ever. After that, flamed out, got fired. Uh, on a lower level, Jim Cruz was Rick Majerus's guy. He had two good years, and then it fell apart. Brian Dutcher has done very well following Steve Fisher at San Diego State. So there have been some examples where, you know, it's, it's, it's a, all over the board. But this is kind of right now the way it's been going in college basketball is you hire, you, you can, you can, there is a, a safety zone right now of hiring people with no head coaching college experience who are alums of your school who get the program and you know the Juwan Howard, I think his emphasis on this uh, is is significant. Uh, we'll see how it works for Mike Woodson and some others. But you know the funny thing, and I think Pete and I both touched on this, is the number of Shashevsky guys who looked like they were going to be the heir apparent and then weren't. You know whether Shashevsky just kept staying or they went somewhere and it looked good for a while and then they fell apart. I mean Chris Collins, Steve Wojciechowski, Jeff Capel. Uh, and Shire just happens to be the guy in the right place at the right time. My my question is now, it was Shashevskyville outside, right? Especially when they played North Carolina, where the students all camped out. Do they have to call it the Shire Shire from like the Hobbits? Is, is that what we're going with, or what are we calling this? Uh, 
He'll be here all, all podcasts. Try the veal. We, we've got to... Look, we're trying to serve our audience here. This is the kind of thing people care about. You can't rename the town. Why not? remain Krzyzewskiville. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, where Shire makes an impact, the inevitable uh, move where you're going to have a, uh, a sponsor on the jer Duke jerseys, he just needs to lean into the troll and make it Ashley Furniture. That's where he needs to make an impact. <laughs> first off, nowadays, no one's sleeping out to be first in line. They just have like a, you know, an app with an online yeah, line. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is Duke, man. Man, that's Duke. Man. They had already, yeah. The Duke students had already actually wired that whole Shashevskyville thing. You know, like where it was, you would come in shifts. Nope. Nobody ever actually stayed there the whole time. You got your tent yeah. with four guys. <laughs> One of them was there until it was his time to go to botany class, and then somebody else came in. <laughs> Whatever. Shashevskyville was a great name. That was a great name. There was a funny part of the press conference where they were they asked him about, you know, how how did you manage to be you know, a great coach for so many years. And he talked about how he had to change his approaches and change how he talks to the kids and language and pop culture and music. And, you know, he's, and, and you could see how funny it is. Um, they once did a, a commercial, I think, where he was like texting his, texting through emojis, his uh, NBA players, like yeah, tell right, Kyrie right. good game. And it's like a muscle sign basketball, you know, stuff like that. And uh, he, he, he gives out this great line where he says, uh, I get older. They stay the same age. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They're always the same age. I keep getting older. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like Matt McConaughey from from Dazed and Confused talking about the high school girls. It was just, I was like, oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> that one he probably missed that pop culture bit, but uh, mm. I'm guessing he's he's up on some of the. He's probably more up on the on the trends than Pete. Oh yeah, that's shit. true. That's true. Yeah. I was going to say it was Piccoli who said that, but that was that was a different uh, teenage stoner yeah. movie. No, yeah. no, that was yeah. not yeah. it. It was Matthew yeah. McConaughey. No, yeah. I know. Where was Piccoli yeah. from? Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ridgemont High. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Penn. Sean he brought, Penn's he got first the real role. order. Pizza order uh, to school, which is no longer a big thing anymore because DoorDash right to high school is common yeah. now. Oh, is yeah. it really? Yeah, yeah, sure. Bring it in if you can get outside food. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not to um, class, but, you know, okay. still be a Krzyze little ambitious. Krzyzewski told me one time he has a he has a burner Twitter account. He would not oh. reveal what the name was, but he had it so that he could keep kind of keep oh, tabs on find what his this players, one. Can someone what his find players were saying and doing. This was, God, what was this, 2015 I'm sure, or something he told me that? I'm sure he follows me, heckles <laughs> my columns. He probably does. <laughs> That's it's like, possible. It's like Carolina blue fan, you know, yeah. with a bunch of numbers after it. Tries to do it up. All right. Final question. Uh, do you want Duke to win the national title this year as the as the, the K rides off in the sunset? Or would you prefer a crushing 16-1 loss? Uh, well, 16 either way, the one would be fine because that's a hell of a story. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the best story is them making the championship game. And then I don't care whether they win or lose. We've written all the stories up to that point. Butler beats uh, him in the last second shot. Butler we beating the them movie. up the end would be perfectly fine. That would be great. If, if they lose in a 1-16 game to Mercer or who was the other one that beat him, Pete? The, the Lehigh. Other, like, Lehigh. Lehigh. If one of those teams beats him, that's fine, too. That's perfectly fine. Anything in between, eh. Like, we don't want Duke to be a five-seed you know, yeah. who loses a 4-5 round of 32 game. We need We need better than that. 
Oh, you know what I'd lose. like to see and would juice up? So we've all kind of lived through the last half dozen or so college basketball seasons that have had variance and relevancy, right? Like the Zion season, people were fired up. This last season I thought was very good. But there's been some sleepy college basketball seasons, uh, f- fair or not. That That's my opinion anyway. The, the hardcores are always going to have the hardcore. But there's been some seasons where you're like, all right, but, you know, when when Pat and I really dive in January, February and you're like, OK, what's interesting? And sometimes you're manufacturing what's interesting this year. K is going to be the dominant storyline of the season in every town he goes to every game they play. It's going to be a, a, a huge story and good. Like, I think that like his impending retirement makes college basketball like exponentially more relevant next year, just like game in and game out. And they also have. Paulo Banchero, who, for my money, is the best recruit in the country. They have Trevor Keels. They got a couple other kids coming in who are going to give them, again, this isn't Zion and, and Reddish and RJ, but it's a pretty darn good core for, for them to go make a, make a run at it. But I was surprised they have not shared the ACC title since 2010, I believe. And I don't think they've won it outright since 06. And again, they've had great teams, but I think, for Kay going out, winning the ACC because he's such part of the ACC's DNA would mean a lot to Coach K to go out and, uh, and, and win the conference title. They, like He's a throwback guy where that kind of stuff really matters. And so I think that that will like the ACC race becomes more interesting if, if he can sort of climb that climb that mountain one more uh, one more time. I tell you this. The last game he will coach in Cameron Indoor Stadium in March 2022 will be against North Carolina. The tickets for that will be ridiculous. The press passes for that will be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Put in your credential requests now for that game. No, the number of people that will come back for that game, oh, all of his uh, former players. Yeah. You uh, could fill almost every seat on the I one mean, on the non-student side just with his former players that are going to want to be there. Yeah, it'll be that'll be absolutely. You think Obama I, goes? Remember Obama yeah, went? Yeah, Obama like go. I mean, it's it will be an iconic event. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the interesting things, just on a side, with Kay, and I know a lot of people like you know, ah, it's this, it's type, it's full. Like the number of players, just thinking of, the, of his former Olympic players that sought him out and saw him as, uh, for guidance and perspective and as. A deal. I remember being once at a AAU tournament that LeBron was throwing, or something LeBron was throwing in Akron, and Kay was there, and she, and and LeBron coming all the way across the court, and I happen to be sitting right near Kay. We were talking, and he comes over, bounds up, Coach, how are you? Shakes hands, sits down next to him, like the the respect that guys who didn't go to college, LeBron, Kobe Bryant. Dwayne Wade didn't play for him, but like these, some of these guys will be there. Like, you know, I could not, I'd be not be surprised if Dwayne Wade's at that game. It just, you know, you can say it's all, well, this is all college. You can take our always antagonistic approach to everything and write it <laughs> off, but it's like, what the hell is Kobe Bryant need Mike yeah. Krzyzewski? But you know yeah. what? They, they were connected. Um, so, so many uh, interesting. I, I will say this. They do have a very good team coming in. They have some good roots. I wish, uh, not that I wanted to retire two years ago, but if he had sat there going into the Zion year mm-hmm. and said, this is it. Yeah. Boy. And it's like, drop the mic. I got the team. I, yeah. I recruited one, two, three in the rivals rankings. <laughs> We're going out with Zion. <laughs> like, that would have been freaking awesome. Like, yeah. come try to beat us. 
Yeah, it would have been awesome, except it ended in the regional final. Michigan State beat them. Yeah. I I was there, and I will never – like, he knew – the opportunity had left him. And I and I wrote that column and I asked him about it in, in the post-game press conference. He knew this was a once-in-a-generation team moment sideshow compilation of talent and that it was squandered. And, you know, look, and that realistically could have been his last chance. So for that to not go to the Final Four will go down as one of his best teams to not have done it. And you could tell he knew that opportunity had slipped away. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got I got a quick theory, Dan, on on your thought on why some of these pro guys, maybe even especially guys like LeBron and Kobe, kind of gravitated to him to a degree. Those guys from age 17 or possibly even younger were in transactional basketball situations, right? It was all business from from LeBron, like from 15 on. He coached them in an Olympic setting that was different. You know, he was not. It was business, and they wanted to win, and they needed to win. There was a national imperative to win, and there was pressure, but they were going to win, and I think that they could have a relationship that was very different than pro-coach, pro-player, uh, and, and maybe you know they didn't get that college chance to have that relationship before, and here's this guy that excels in those sort of relationships. So I wonder if that has some sort of part in it. Interesting. I covered... Uh- uh, I covered all the I covered the last three basketball Olympics, not every game of it. Uh, I think Pete was really on the beat one year in, in Rio, but I did Rio. I did uh, London. I did. And um, no, you were in Beijing. I mean, Beijing, Beijing, Beijing yeah. London and Rio, all of those. And I was around that team. And I remember, I think it was in Rio. Carmelo. I'm pretty sure it's Rio. Uh, Carmelo Anthony became the all time leading scorer in USA basketball history. OK, and he scored, you know, 28 points on, you know, Lord knows what. Uh, team, <laughs> they, they yeah. And I always thought I was kind of <laughs> laughing when they did. I'm like, this is the ultimate Carmelo Anthony accomplishment. <laughs> like I scored the most points on a team that scores a million points, and no one even knows what. Who keeps track of this stuff? Wait, we, we, this is an actual record. But afterwards, Kay did his press conference, and he has Carmelo there, and he went on and on about what an accomplishment this was, and how much. He loved Carmelo Anthony and the respect he had for the way he brings the game. And he, he and I, I undoubtedly that relationship like this was not just something for Coach K. It was like, I'm going to celebrate Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. for this accomplishment that I think probably means a ton to Carmelo Anthony, who post Syracuse really made a ton of money and scored a ton of points. But in the NBA, never had that gear to be the truly great champion that that the other guys his age, certainly LeBron and Dwayne Wade had, where they would strangle you for a, for a championship. Carmelo was just going to shoot jumpers. But he made this big point to make this the story. And, that, you know, I just thought of that when you brought that up. And I'm sure in Carmelo's mind, like, that was one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for him. Plus, you weren't going to trade him. <laughs> <laughs> not going to trade him, not going to cut him. No Can't doubt. trade him once you're on the team. Yeah. <laughs> The one other one I, I alluded to earlier, Brad Stevens, uh, stepped down as the Boston Celtics coach to become the director of basketball operations. He apparently uh, he's taking over for Danny Ainge, who once hired him. Danny Ainge, I will say this, uh, he was the GM there, won a championship. He had a phenomenal quote on his way out, which I, I, I saw and I retweeted uh, when they asked if he wants to coach or wants to work again. He says, I want to work, but I don't want to do very much. 
So there's not many people out there looking for someone to hire to do very little. <laughs> Danny uh, Ainge speaks to all of us, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> <That's just laughs> we like, all want to do little. <laughs> yeah. that guy, at least it was honest, not one of the, ah, I got to get back in there. I think I got yeah. something to give. It's like, uh, eh, I want to work as long as it's easy. Yeah. I am unbelievably rich. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I don't have anything to do. Do I, I want to be a GM, but do I really want to fly all over the country and watch games? And no. Anyway, Brad Stevens taking over uh, as the GM to me. I'll throw it to Pete on this. I know you have thoughts, but one more sign that he isn't coming back to college basketball. In my opinion, he doesn't want to coach in the NBA anymore. He could have gone to Indiana. He didn't. Ergo, where where exactly is he going? Uh, if had he made a big stink and said, "I want to be the Duke coach," he could have back channeled that. Maybe who knows? Maybe. But we'd have no indication that that happened, and he didn't try to get Indiana. Uh, he's a pro guy. He'll work. He'll coach again. It'll be in the NBA. Pete, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think, and I said a little bit earlier, I don't think there's any chance Brad Stevens comes back to college basketball. And I know every time there's an, a big opening or any time Indiana's sideways, everybody's like Brad, Brad, Brad. But the Indiana desire to get Brad Stevens was very real. His level of interest was not real. He was polite. Because Brad Stevens, who we know, is a, like a polite guy, right? So he, but there was not a, nearly the level of engagement considering the amount of oxygen that was put to that story. And I don't think any NBA coach is ever going to go back to college unless you're like Eric Musselman and you just don't have any other chances. Like, especially, and you guys know Brad, like he loves the basketball, all right? He wants to figure out how to, you know, change pick and roll coverages. And he, he was an early analytics guy. He loved the numbers. He loved the challenge. I remember him telling me once, like his favorite part of the day is at like 6 a.m. He would get up, he would go on Ken Palm. He would get all the numbers. He would have already watched the film and like figuring out the game plan to beat the other team. That's what gets Brad Stevens out of bed. It is not, let's call this AAU coach and try to get this guy in on an unofficial and, you know, like that type of stuff. He hated, and that's college basketball. And in the eight years he's been gone, the nonsense has only increased exponentially. And so I don't see a pathway back to college for Brad Stevens. And it brings us up only because as soon as he stepped down, people are like, oh, maybe he'll be. No, no, it's just I, I don't see that happening. I'm, I'll be very curious how much he likes being a general manager. He obviously is a really smart guy. And so I do, you know, people were questioning, well, he doesn't have the credentials. He doesn't have like Brad Stevens is going to be fine. He's going to evolve. He's going to figure it out. I remember when he got hired at the Celtics, I asked him at one point, I was like, Hey, like, are you going to like learn the salary cap? And he was kind of like, eh, like, we have people to do that. You know? So there, there will be, I think an energizing challenge for him, but I do think, was it seven or eight years in Boston? Eight. Yeah. I think being an NBA coach in one city for eight years is like, that's it's a unicorn run, right? There's Greg Popovich, but like really that amount of time is anomalous. I, I think this is going to give him time to find a new challenge, to really engage in some new stuff, to give another voice to a young core who probably needs another voice and, and give Brad some time to recharge. So I, I'm excited to see this step. And I think it's a step further away from him going college basketball, not a gateway back. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is interesting. I like, <laughs> 
when I when I heard that they were, he was basically going to the front office, that that conflicted with what you said that you know that's what gets him out of bed is the game plan for the next game and and coaching the game. And so it's like, huh, that does seem counterintuitive. It doesn't mean he can't do it by any means. I mean, as you said, and I said earlier, one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to in college basketball coaching, but it does seem like a step outside of what he's truly gifted at. And maybe he needs, maybe he needs a break from the players. Maybe the players need a break from him. Uh, you know, I mean, his, his tenure in Boston was good. It was not great. Uh, the declining returns the last few years, they underachieved. They were a frustrating franchise in, in recent years. I, but his record was certainly was good enough that he will get other chances to coach in the NBA. I agree. I don't see him coming back to college. I do still think that that, that fantasy dream will be out there for everybody who thinks that their school is good enough to try to get Brad Stevens. Uh, I just don't think it's ever going to be realistic. Same thing has been with Billy Donovan for however long since he left uh, Florida. You know, it's like, oh, you know, he was so good in college. Surely he'll want to come back and coach our team. No, he's probably not going to. All right, this is uh, this is quite a story. Uh, those of us in the TikTok community, um, <laughs> I gave you credit, Dan. You're ahead of the curve on TikTok. You well, saw it. You saw hey, it coming. We, You're, we got yeah. the TikToker YouTube boxing card coming up. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, plus, those Floyd of May us in the TikTok community says Dan Wetzel. Yeah. Wow. Plus, what a, what a quote. Floyd Mayweather is actually fighting Logan Paul this weekend, and uh, just I mean, just weep, just weep. <laughs> <laughs> God, Floyd. Floyd can make a buck, man. I respect him. Anyway, uh, there's a, a woman named Erica Thompson, um, who uh, is the founder and owner of Texas Bee Works, the bee community. And the tick, uh, there's a there's TikTok bees, I guess. Bee world. I don't know how you would call this, what you would label this, but there are people who watch TikTok to watch uh, beekeepers work. I, uh, you know, hey, everyone's got a thing. Is that why you're in the community, Dan? The, I'm not in the... this community, okay. but this is spilled okay. into my community. I don't know what okay. community I'm in. Okay. We haven't uh, seen any anyway. of these TikToks with you dancing with your daughters, by the way. I don't dance. I just, yeah. Uh, the bees. Uh, Could you like crush, Washington crush Post. bush lights in the back? <laughs> yeah, there's a bush light community. Everything. you Whatever you want, they'll find you. This woman, uh, her TikToks, uh, and she is a Texas Austin area beekeeper and uh the Washington posted a glowing story about how the, these massive social media following she has where she she saves the bees and one she lifts up like these boards at a, an old uh, like abandoned house or rotting, I don't know, patio or something and, 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 and gets the bees out safely. And she acts like she's doing it very ethically and she takes this superioristic kind of tone to the other beekeepers and she doesn't wear a mask and it's like she's like the bee whisperer right that's kind of <laughs> picking them up with her hands okay. it's, it's so she's got a glowing tribute in the washington post uh which uh but then the real beekeepers of tiktok have struck back <laughs> and said this is all a fraud uh this uh, that's not how it worked there's no way you can't do this all this stuff and they are calling out uh, this woman, uh, Erica Thompson, as a fraud. Erica Thompson tries to claim she's like a Jane Goodall, uh, you know, devotee. And it's a huge controversy in the bee community. And this is what's going on in America. This is where we're at. And if you think our podcast is stupid, at least you're not involved in this. So my question is, you know, is she like the Will Wade of the beekeeping? What? What is it? 
<laughs> She's got a strong ass hive, man. Just... <laughs> this is... Do not underestimate this woman. We have a bee beef. I just, I love this. This is fantastic. This is basically it. It's like Will Wade giving a lecture on on how to recruit well and all the other coaches going, he's paying them. What are we talking about? When we do a tour of our library, our young recruits get really excited about coming to LH. And then all, this is basically it. Is there anything we don't cheat at in this country? Anything? <laughs> no, apparently the not. The beehive. We're cheating at beehiving. I wish we could cheat at soccer. So it makes Sully happier. Help his disposition. So. I know. <laughs> now, I, I will say, uh, if she's getting bees out of, like, from r- rotting boards and stuff, those are, like, carpenter bees, which I don't think are, they, they can be damaging to houses we have this issue at our our cabin a little bit so i don't know if like if she's helping the the honey community which is i thought what we were supposed to be doing with helping the bees but uh whatever the point is here i i just i i hope she i hope she gets religion and she comes straight here with us you know because you you just don't want to be fraud come on we we need we need all our beekeepers to be Upright, honest people in America, don't we? <laughs> Pat, furthering his audition for the Discovery Channel, he he could definitely be like the animals attack color guy. And oh, now yeah. maybe you can get like the sideline guy for the bee feds. Sideline. Sideline reporting from the bee beef. I love it. Yes. You'd look great in one of those uh, like bee yeah. costumes with the with the mask. Yeah. Mostly would. You'd see a lot less of so, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. One more uh, story here. In China, they're they're in the really the front line. They got China's a very big country, and so they're on the front lines of this animal war thing, as you'd imagine. A lot of people, a lot uh, of animals. Yeah, yeah a lot, population. just a lot. China is just a lot. Uh, so a herd of elephants, uh, about fifteen of them, uh, escaped uh, captivity, and have made a run on it. They're 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 making a run. There's 15 of them. This also goes back to where like 6% of America thinks they could beat up an elephant. <laughs> right. Well, if They're you wrong. could, the Chinese would get would <laughs> would punch out the elephant. The Chinese need to import a 6% of Americans who can do this. Yeah, yeah apparently <laughs> the Chinese are wimps and cannot beat up elephants, but 6% of Americans could easily do it. Uh 15 elephants, a herd of elephants have traveled more than 300 miles since March. On a trail of mayhem, this is according to us, I don't know what, that has left crops destroyed, barns demolished, water tanks drained, and it's still a mystery on why they are on this journey. They just, whatever they want, the elephant gets. There's a there's a barn door in the way. Not any longer. It's like the Kool-Aid guy. You do not stop an elephant from doing, they are on a, 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 a yeah, like this prison break, like on their way to... What's the thing at the end of uh, Shawshank, Zihuataneo, you know, yeah, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I like about the the Pacific? The Mexicans say it has no memory red. That's where I want to live my life. That might be what the, the, they're escaped. They're free like Andy Dufresne and red. And this is what they want to do. I don't know. What are the elephants doing, Pat? <laughs> well, I think they're making a run to the sea, I think, you know, and then they're they're probably looking to expand and go across the ocean and, and take over another continent. This is this is clearly if you go back to Constantinople, who used <laughs> elephants to help defeat the Romans back in the day, 
for Carthage, right? Pro Carthage. <laughs> Carthage scored a big 16 over a one, or that might have been a, like a 12-5. I don't know. Um, so World you know, history seated the Pat Flory yes. story. <laughs> and the elephants know their history. They know that they've kicked some ass out there. They so they're forget. like, hey, they don't forget. They don't. So they've decided this is their chance at world domi- world dominion. They're taking over. And like you said, Dan, I mean, who's going to stop them, frankly? You got to shoot them. And the Chinese have not done that. I mean, there is video of them, like the they're crossing the street in these little Chinese towns. Like, oh, my God, there's one on like a some guy's got like a ring doorbell in China. And there's just an <laughs> elephant walking down his driveway. <laughs> like, holy cow. <laughs> Be a little like, how would you like to look at that? Something pops up on your ring and you're like, look at your phone. Like, oh, what, is that a freaking elephant? <laughs> Do you think the they're trying FedEx to reunite guy. with the Guntown kangaroo? Do you just think they're on Maybe the that's it. to Guntown, Mississippi? We, we've got some, we got some Guntown news, don't we, Sully? There's a baby kangaroo in Texas. So maybe the gun, maybe Guntown has gotten, uh, you know, found somebody out there in the mean streets. Swiped right. And, uh, you know, there was some <laughs> well, procreation. Just, I don't know. There's yeah, a baby no, no. kangaroo whipping down a street. Yes. No, that, I, I, that, that's the thing. The, 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 the Guntown kangaroo got a booty call, marsupial tinder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when that happens, you, you got to relocate, man. You, so he went to Texas. and All my Kanga exes live in Texas. Hop. Lonely and looking in Laredo on, on marsupial tinder. That's what we had. <laughs> Forget farmers only. It's marsupials only. <laughs> That's right. By the way, I got to correct myself. Hannibal was the, the dude with the elephants for Carthage. Right. So, oh, I'm sorry. Let me Good job. the mountains. Good job. Yeah, the Alps. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, right. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. All right. We should have just we should have just ended it at the Coach K part. I think we should. Uh, yeah. But thanks for listening to the end. All right. We're gonna do one podcast next week. Only doing one, so don't be alarmed. I'm playing golf. And these two don't want to do the thing on their own. So I got a golf trip to go on. Pat, not invited. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. The payback for the fishing. I <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Not, you weren't even considered. This is the yeah. first moment I even thought about it was right now. <laughs> Where are you golfing? Where are you going? I'm going to West, uh, West Michigan. Okay. Or to the American Dunes. It's a course that is owned fully by uh, Folds of Honor, which is the... A foundation that provides scholarships for, uh, I believe, deceased uh, service members. They're, they're, okay. they're children. Yeah, yeah. Um, all proceeds go to that. And wow. uh, Jack Nicholas redesigned the course for free. They have tons of like, so supposed to be really nice. So I'm out here doing good. Yeah, I'm not. Sure. <laughs> yeah. My gambling is, is charity based. <laughs> <laughs> That's the motivation here. Yes. Send yeah. pictures of the bush light in the golf cart. Your, uh, your green uh, maybe. I'm buried every hole just for the for the for the charity. You know. Yes. There yeah. you go. If I have to, if I have to. All right. So we're gonna have one next week. Uh, we will talk to you on uh, Wednesday. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen and supporting our fine podcast. <laughs>